Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. There's nothing better than waking up on a Sunday with a victory. And that is what Syracuse brought us last night. 29-9, the final score over Ohio in Peden Stadium. And myself, Ian Unsworth, and John Eads are here to break it all down on Fizz Final. This will be coming every week, maybe not necessarily from us, but from two of your Fizz staff members. We'll recap the game and give our takes after we've slept on a bit of what happened last night. So, John, overall... If you had to grade Syracuse as a team's performance, I'd give it around a B plus. Where are you sitting? I'd say right in that B plus, A minus range. Syracuse did a lot of good things that you can be optimistic about yesterday. They really came out in the second half and asserted themselves. It was 12-6 at the break. And if you're an SU fan, if you're Dino Babers, you missed some opportunities in that first half. You kicked some field goals in the red zone. But the thing was, you didn't really have the ball that much. But when you did... You weren't converting. In the second half, Syracuse comes out, scores on the first drive, and really that was just a telltale sign of how the game was going to play out in the second. Really impressed with the team. Like we said, Syracuse is better than Ohio. I have no idea why the Orange were a two-point underdog coming in. When you look at the personnel on both sides, SU was superior. And we told you SU would win in easy fashion, and they did. I would think, honestly, both of our score predictions had the game closer than it actually was. And that all really comes down to, in my opinion, the battle of the trenches because Syracuse was able to run the ball easily. Sean Tucker, 183 yards on 25 carries. He was extremely impressive. Nothing has changed about Tucker's running style. He's just gained a few pounds. He looks like a Mack truck running the ball through the middle or on the outside. That early run, I think it was the second play of Syracuse's first drive where Tucker breaks through the right side and just busts it down the far sideline. He's getting better and better, and to me, he looks like an NFL caliber back. He's really the complete package. He has that vision. He's able to bounce it outside. He's also got that deceptive speed to go along with it to, to beat guys down that sideline, gain extra yards. The thing that impresses me the most about Sean Tucker is his ability to always find a way to get some yards out of a play. There are times where SU didn't block a play very well. He's hit in the backfield. We call this we call these things yak, yards after contact, right? He still finds a way to get forward, get some yardage, fight for those extra yards, and those are going to be a big difference maker once SU gets into ACC play because, you know, you, you mentioned winning the battle at the line of scrimmage. You expect to do that. You should do that against Ohio. And we said they should do that today, and they did. Now, it won't be as easy once you get into ACC play. One thing that was a bit concerning to me, which we'll get into, is the lack of passing attack SU had yesterday, just 92 yards for Tommy DeVito on 17 passes. But you didn't need to pass the ball to win yesterday. So you take it one game at a time, you come out, you dominate the line of scrimmage, Sean Tucker goes off, and SU on the other side defensively really limited Ohio stud running back out of the backfield. So you brought up Tommy DeVito, and that brings us to a point that is, is worth really harping on for a second here. Dino Baber said we'd see a two-quarterback system. We saw Garrett Schrader in mop-up duty coming into the game with about two minutes, 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Tommy DeVito is Dino's guy, and it looked like he was playing his part through the first three quarters of this game. It was not Tommy DeVito drops back in the pocket and scrambles around. He looked cool. 
He looked collected. He was only sacked once, which big credit to the offensive line in that regard. Also in the run game, they dominated in the trenches, but DeVito only sacked once. I think he might have been hit two or three other times, but mostly a worry-free day. And yes, 11 for 17, 92 yards doesn't look great, but Syracuse really wasn't taking any shots. Sterling Gilbert was making it a point to get the ball out of DeVito's hands quickly, get it to Taj Harris, get it to Anthony Quilly, four or five-yard curls, maybe a little something over the middle, keep things simple in game one, and then also give DeVito a chance to work with his legs. I really like those design quarterback runs that they brought in, whether it's the zone read, the speed option. Another thing that helps DeVito do a bit less thinking, which I think he was really in his head over the past two years. This seems the offense was a bit complicated, but it was simplified at the same time. I'm not sure if those were read concepts or what the deal was. Maybe they were designed. I think they were reads, though. That's what Garrett Schrader was brought in to do. But if you can get Tommy DeVito to do that, and I also think DeVito's a better passer. He certainly showed that yesterday. There were a couple downfield shots, beautifully thrown footballs, that need to be caught by Taj Harris and Courtney Jackson. But that's not a, neither here nor there. That'll come as the season progresses. Tommy was great. The biggest thing coming in about DeVito was pocket presence. You know, he doesn't exactly have a good track record in that. We've seen time and time again, he rolls out of the pocket, runs out of bounds, takes a voluntary gain, or takes a sack, or throws it away when there's checkdowns open. Yesterday, he was wiggling in and out. He was stepping up in the pocket, finding his checkdowns, rolling out of the pocket, extending plays, and putting balls on a rope, especially on play action. Really, just nothing that he did warranted him having to go to the sideline and bring Garrett Schrader in. I think all around, that may have been Tommy DeVito's most clean and efficient game in a Syracuse uniform. I would agree with that. The other thing, I heard some chatters on Twitter, especially in the third quarter when things got a bit stale, the offense seemed like it was running out of momentum, that DeVito wasn't doing enough. But I think that really speaks to Gilbert's play calling. Early on, there was a lot of motion. There was a lot of eye candy. I liked moving Taj Harris around the formation, bringing him behind the backfield, maybe to threaten some sort of backwards pass or triple option look. I really like that eye candy. Also moving tight ends across the formation. Good for pre-snap read and also to keep a defense on its toes. And then DeVito, I would say, didn't really get the benefit of a full playbook. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you're not going to put a lot of things out there, especially yeah. against Ohio when you're running the ball as well mm -hmm. as here. So next week against Rutgers, we should see a lot more, especially in the passing game, more advanced route concepts, maybe a trick play or two. Dino's always good for a couple of those. But against a high-caliber opponent, and Rutgers demolished Temple yesterday. They are good, like really good. So Syracuse is going to have to bring a bit more, I would say, exoticism out of both the offensive and defensive playbooks next week. Yeah, and Rutgers going to have a much better defense than this Ohio team, going to be a lot better in the front seven. So you're not just going to come out, hand the ball off to Sean Tucker, and gain 300 yards on the ground for the game. You're going to have to bring some kind of a passing attack. Syracuse has the ability to do that. And like I said, I liked what I saw to DeVito yesterday. When you take those downfield shots, you got to convert, though. And Rutgers defensively, and really offensively, 61 points, you mentioned that as well. Uh, you can't have that be the situation of the game because uh, Syracuse is not scoring 61 points in a football game. I'm sorry, they're not that good. They looked pretty good yesterday, but you know that's another story. But how about the defense, Ian? Only nine points given up today to Ohio. Really a bend-don't-break performance. Really forced a, a couple of field goals in the red zone. And there weren't really any big plays that the Bobcats picked up. I would agree with that, too. I was impressed with Syracuse's defense they early on struggled. Like that first drive, I was worried. 
I was I saw Demontre Tuggle moving the ball, going getting five six yards a pop, and I was like, oh gosh, this could get hairy, especially if this continues later on into the football game. But you get that stop in your own territory, miss a field goal, and then things just start to build and build and build. And there were a lot of impressive individual performances. Deuce Chestnut's first on the list, and I think everybody's going to give him his fair due. So uh, there's not honestly not much to say about him besides that Ohio made it a point to run the ball at him, or at least to his side. They did not go at Garrett Williams at all. So they put him under pressure, and yes, he found the football, and he was all over the place, confident after missing like his first tackle on maybe the first or second play of the game, but Ohio early on made it a point to challenge him, and he responded. So that is great to see from a freshman. Other than Deuce, I loved what I saw from the linebackers. You and I both were really high on this linebacking unit going in, and I loved what I saw from them. Defensive line, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot to ask from three guys up front. So, well, I mean, other than the, the Kingsley-Jonathan penalty, which I hate to say it, but he's good for like three of those a year, man. Yeah. Every single year, Kingsley-Jonathan makes one or two of those mistakes where you just you just grab your head and you're like, ah, oh, come on. But luckily, nothing, nothing really catastrophic resulted from it. There you go. Ben, don't break. Syracuse. Not only did the defense stand up when needed, they also won the mental game. Yes, Ohio wasn't penalized that much, but honestly, neither was Syracuse. And besides, Ohio got a single penalty. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I saw there it, some blatant holds. On I yeah, I mean there are gonna be blatant holds in every single football game that are missed. But I saw a tweet through the first three quarters. Ohio was not penalized. Yeah. But regardless, I mean the, the refs weren't really that bad in this game. So let's let's give them a bone. And back to the defensive line. I mean, there's only so much you can do with three guys and. That hopefully they just keep continuing to get better and better. But linebackers, defensive backs, that's the real story of this game because they came up really well in run support. That's the thing with the 3-3-5. You're really not going to get big days out of the three-down linemen because their roles, especially in the running game, is just to plug gaps, open them up, and then let the linebackers come downhill and make plays. How many times did you see Marlo Wax shooting the A-gap, making a thumping, tackle? Thumping, thumping. Mikael Jones coming downhill, making a tackle. Jeff Cantonar Koo coming downhill, making a tackle. That's what the defensive line is supposed to do. So while they don't rack up the stats on the stat sheet, that's their job is to open up the plays for the linebackers to make, for the defensive backs to make. they got to make tackles. Saw so a couple missed tackles as the game went on. You're going to have to have those against Rutgers. One thing that was concerning to me, no sacks. Really a lack of a pass rush. Now, whether that be because there weren't any holding calls or SU was just sitting back and playing more zone coverages, dropping more guys back to, to counter this Ohio passing defense, whatever that might be, you're going to have to have a little bit of pressure next week against the uh, Rutgers, excuse me, because you can't let Noah Vedral sit back in the pocket all day, look around, escape the pocket, run. But I think that's something that will come with time. Uh, but really can't say enough about how the defense performed today. An admiral job, only nine points given up to a pretty good Ohio defense. And really something we haven't really talked about is Demontre Tuggle was kind of a non-factor. Yes, he was. And there's, I mean, that small sample size that we touched on a decent amount in our preview FizzCast, which if you want to listen back or if you want to check out the Rutgers one next week, you could find at orangefizz.net and on Twitter at orangefizz. We'll be doing it every single week, giving you the preview on Syracuse's upcoming opponent. We we harped on Tuggle's ability because he was a he's a one-cut, foot-in-the-ground kind of guy. 
And I have to say, the fact that Syracuse didn't let him really get outside or use his straight line speed was very impressive. I, I loved how the linebackers not only flowed forward to the line of scrimmage, but also flowed sideline to sideline. Mikel Jones leading the team in tackles. I mean, we expect that at this point. Pretty quietly, though. I will quietly. Say, you know? And Stephon Thompson had a really good game, really under the radar. I believe he had six or seven tackles. It and, might be because he changed his numbers, so people were trying to figure out who this guy, number seven, was in the first quarter. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I saw I saw a tweet from Matt Park saying all the SU linebackers got their swag up, single-digit numbers. But, hey, I mean, you have to love what you saw from the linebackers. I tweeted out last night from the Fizz account that I think they're going to be the backbone of the defense going forward. Yes, the defensive backfield's young and talented, but the LBs are really going to keep things together because... Honestly, next week, I'm more scared of Noah Vedral's legs than I am of his arm. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree with that. He's never really been a great passer, but he's so slippery. If you've ever seen Peyton Ramsey play, formerly Indiana and Northwestern, uh, that's exactly what his game is like. He can definitely hurt you with his legs, get out of the pocket. But Rutgers has playmakers all over the field, and that was pretty evident in their blowout win today. So it's going to be a tough test for Syracuse. But I think the biggest thing from today... Uh, and, and even going into the game, why was Syracuse an underdog? I think it was more about Syracuse hate than Ohio love because this Bobcats team was not good. So what SU needs to do is continue to go out on the field and prove everybody wrong and gain some respect for this program. And I think today's 20-point win went a long way in doing so, and you have an, another great opportunity next week against the Scarlet Knights. And last but not least, uh, there are some boo-birds. they are always going to be boo-birds, whether it's for DeVito whether it's for Dino, they didn't win by enough, we didn't see enough passing, yada, yada, yada. This team won one game last year, right? They won one game, and it was against Georgia Tech, and then they went out next week and lost to a winless Duke team, right? So I know we all want to talk about we can improve this, we can improve that, but let's be thankful that Syracuse got a win it was on the road the first time since November of 2019 that Syracuse won on the road. And the Orange also escaped with no major injuries. Everybody's good to go. Hopefully Chris Elmore is back on the field in upcoming weeks. And Syracuse can really put both units together and build some momentum. Yeah, and again, the offensive line was great. You got some great pieces. A lot of things to be optimistic about going into this Rutgers game. There wasn't something that stuck out to me that was just glaringly something that SU needs to work on. So just take this Ohio game with a grain of salt, 29-9 win. That's all good and fine. You're really going to find out about how good this football team is, how bad this football team is, and what this Syracuse team is good and bad at against Rutgers this week. Uh, excuse me, next weekend. Going to be a big test for SU and a chance to really have a barometer of where this program is at and how good it can be this year. Let's hope it's not a repeat of 2019 where Syracuse went on the road, shut out Liberty, and then got smoked by Maryland. But positive outlook, glass half full. We're keeping our spirits up after a great week one performance from Syracuse. 29-9, to the final score. The Orange take it pretty easily in Peden Stadium, and Dino Babers and company are coming back to the Dome with fans for week two against Rutgers. We'll have your preview FizzCast about midweek, and of course, you can keep it locked to orangefizz.net for any Syracuse football news, recruiting, analysis, and anything else you could possibly want about Orange football and basketball. For John Eads, I'm Ian Unsworth. Thank you so much for listening to Fizz Final Syracuse 1-0 to start this young season. 
Have a great day, and go Orange!